Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. So cool to be here. Uh, yeah, as mentioned, my name is Joel and I am the worship pastor uh, at C3 Hepburn Heights and uh, it is just Always a privilege to be here at Queen's Beach. Uh, thank you, Nicole and Steve, Pastor Nicole and Steve, for being incredible people and uh, for this amazing opportunity to speak. And I just, I always feel the love when I come to Queen's Beach. Always feel the love. Uh, such nice, incredible people. So um, we're just going to have some fun today, hey? Yeah? You, we're going to have some fun together. Today I'm talking about uh, a little subject called renewal. And um, just something that God's been stirring on my heart the last uh, couple of months. And uh, yeah, really excited to share it. Um, I haven't been able to preach this message. I don't get to preach as often because I don't run youth, just worship lead. So this, it's always nice, exciting for me to, to preach and to be here with you. So um, yeah, excited to go to the Word of God and see what it says about renewal. Are you with me? Come on. In Genesis, the first book of the Bible, God creates the heavens and the earth, creates everything. Uh, it was beautiful. He said it was good. It was glorious, harmonious. It was just a nice place to be, the Garden of Eden. And then humans messed it up. We made mistakes and t uh, turned the world into a mess. And it's not hard to, to uh, look around and see the mess that humans have made uh, in uh, the name of violence, greed, selfishness, and a number of bad things that happen in our world. But in Revelations, the last book of the Bible, it talks about God renewing the world, to recreating, bringing a new heavens and a new earth, and bringing the glory back to earth, and that, that it would be a, an amazing place again with, with no sin, with no pain, an amazing uh, oasis that God is going to recreate, re renew back in the end of times. But in the meantime, are we just twiddling our thumbs here as, as Christians? Are we just going, yeah, cool, God's going to do something in the end of time? No, I believe that we can see renewal on earth right now. I believe that God has commissioned uh, Christians, us as people, to actually see that renewal take place here on earth as it is in heaven. Just as Jesus prayed that in his Lord's Prayer, that his will, God's will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Now think about that for a minute. Here on earth as it is in heaven, that we can call the very presence, the goodness of heaven here on earth now. And that we're called to actually see renewal take place in our world right now. And so I'm excited about um, seeing what this looks like for us today. And uh, we're going to go to Romans 12 and unpack a little bit about how that happens for us today. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans 12. They'll be up on the screens as well, so uh, read along. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, this 
uh, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Let me pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that we are in where your presence is, when you're at your house, and that we get to honor and worship you. God, I pray that today that you would uh, speak to us here, that by your spirit you would uh, illuminate, you would bring to light what you're wanting to reveal to each and every one of us, that we would see a renewal take place personally in our lives and that we would see renewal take place in our world. We, Jesus, we just thank you for your mercy and your grace, and we pray that you'd be praised in everything that we do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, at the end of this uh, scripture here, it talks about uh, the, the, the church as one body with many members, as lots of different individuals being a part of this church. And, you know, we have it here, this beautiful, uh, many, many different people, but we form one church, one body that is called to actually make a difference together. Uh, and it speaks of being involved. It speaks of actually being a part of something, not just being separate, but actually being one body with different members. Uh, uh, but the issue is, in our culture today, we have uh, an Uber Eats individualistic kind of culture that, that wants everything delivered to us, and we want to just kind of do it on our own. We want to ha- do things on our own, figure it out on our own, and we want it all delivered to us in a nice little brown paper bag, and it will taste delicious. That's the, the kind of culture that we live in. Uh, you know, and it creeps into the church that you're a regular churchgoer if you go every four to six weeks. That's kind of what the culture is telling us to do. But the issue with that is that God can't build something with that. It's so difficult for God to actually build something with a church that is, is, has that mindset and, and individuals that have that mindset that I just want to get out of God what I want to get out of it and not actually give what I can give all my, my all to actually invest in building. And so for God to see renewal take place in our world, he actually needs to do something, some renewal in us and actually change some things in us so that we can be a difference to, to this world. Even when we make mistakes, God still calls us. Even when we get things wrong, he still wants us to be involved. It's so amazing that he actually still chooses to use us. I don't know why, but he still does still chooses to use humans even when we've made so many mistakes and he wants to see renewal more than us way more than us just to this people to us individually he wants to see renewal so what is renewal it is it is the replacing or repairing of something that is broken something that is broken and we see that so often that god has renewed that uh, us in our own lives and in the people around us it's not difficult to just ask someone's story and you can hear how god has renewed them that in the midst of turmoil, of pain and hardship, that God actually turns bad things to good. The amazing thing that he does in those difficult moments. And uh, we see that so often. I see that in my life, that he renews us. He brings, repairs, replaces that what is broken and restores it to something beautiful. And so I believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. And I believe that it is the power to save. And so, um, uh, yeah, I believe that we can see renewal take place because of the gospel, because of Jesus Christ. We can see renewal take place in our lives and in this world. And so 
uh, we're going to go through a couple of ways of how we can see this take place, how we can see renewal take place in our world. And uh, firstly, it is personally we, we take renewal by taking your hands off control. Taking your hands off control. We're going to go there this morning, okay, guys? We're going there. Don't hurt me if, if this hurts you. <laughs> in, this, in that Romans 12, it starts with... Uh, in view of God's mercy and, you know, that beautiful, amazing hymn of amazing grace uh, shows us and reveals to us about how incredible his mercy is, that he would choose to use us, that he, even though in our brokenness, he would partner with us to see renewal, to see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, in view of his mercy, in view of his grace, we are able to actually, that's the, the starting place. That's where we need to start, to actually see his goodness and grace. That enables us, that empowers us. And then it continues, it says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, what is this living sacrifice? It is actually even weirder than it looks because the word sacrifice here in the Greek actually uh, means killing so what, what Paul here is saying is uh, off, uh, make your lives a living killing. It's deliberately paradoxical here. It's, it's you know, trying to get you to think here of making your lives a living killing. Uh, and it's true that most everybody reading this, the, the Greeks, the Romans, the Hebrews, would have all known about animal sacrifice. It was, it was still happening still in that day. Uh, they would have known about the, the animal sacrifice that were happening in the temples that they would offer to gods uh, as a, this is my sin offering, here's an animal instead of my sin, please accept this sacrifice in place of what I've done wrong. And so for to Paul to call it a living killing, uh, it was on purpose. It was to get people's attention. He, he, was kind of, he was trying to say to these people, there's something familiar about this sacrifice that you kind of understand something familiar about it, but there's also something totally new and totally different about the Christian way of sacrifice. Now, the Old Testament uh, sacrifices, they, they would, as I mentioned, offer an animal. And uh, once you offered that animal, it was over. It was done. That was the sacrifice. That was killed. That, that sin had been atoned for. We can walk away and, and then we'll probably come back again shortly because we needed to sacrifice some more. But, but once you did that sacrifice, it was over. You bought the animal, the grain, whatever it was, and it was done. But a living sacrifice is never over. A living sacrifice, the trouble with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. It keeps moving. <laughs> living sacrifice means that it's... It's every day, every hour, every moment, right now. You have to deliberately, consciously, and continually offer yourselves to God. That we have to continually, it's constant, it's never over. It's pretty intense, but this is what the Christian life calls us to, to continue to offer ourselves, to continue to bring ourselves as a living sacrifice. That Paul wouldn't use this word uh, killing unless it actually meant to put something to death. Unless actually something was killed. And um, yeah, I believe you're not living the Christian life unless you put, the, put to death the idea that you have the right to live as you choose. It's a pretty big statement that, that we have to put to death the right to live as we choose. And that's what a living sacrifice means. That we have to constantly, 
keep coming back to this. Crawling off the altar, crawling back on the altar, crawling off, and then it's just this repeatable cycle of actually living out what it means to keep giving ourselves to God and keep putting to death. And sometimes it does. It feels like we're putting something to death. It's scary to actually trust God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get this like heart-clenching, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I, that's, that's, that's a big call, God. I don't know if I can make that commitment or ask or, or give that amount or love that person. He calls us to do extreme things. And that's that heart-clenching, God, can I trust you? But that's, that, that, that's putting to death. Those, those times are us putting to death those kind of way of living and actually submitting to the Word, submitting to, to God in prayer, to, to submitting to Him. It feels scary. It's a living sacrifice. Uh, so on one sense, it is that scary death thing, you know. The, but on the other side, it's life. That's what a living sacrifice. It actually gives us life that when we actually do this, though it may require us to give up something, but actually in return, it gives us the best life that we could ever want, the best life that we could ever need. And, and Jesus gives life to the full. That's, that's the purpose of, of our church, that he gives life to the full. And that when we give our all to him, he actually gives us true life. That's our call to actually grab a hold of. It's not just a sacrifice because, you know, it's our obligation or duty, but it's actually because we get the best trueness of life that he has to offer us. It's the most amazing thing. Uh, Dr. Dr. John Gerstner, an old school preacher in his sermon on the living sacrifice, uh, he preached about a young woman uh, and he, he told her story of, uh, yeah, what was going on in her world in the 1930s. Right? Picture back now, we're going back to the 1930s, totally different time. This girl was at a, a Christian conference. Uh, she was about 15 or 16. She was very moved by the message and decided to give her life to Christ in a special way. She made a commitment to go on lifetime uh, missionary service. She said, I want to go to Asia. And this was, you know, in the 1930s to do missionary in Asia uh, was not, a, not a, a very nice thing. It was pretty dangerous to do that. And so as the years went on, uh, she went through high school. She kept her resolve. Uh, she did the research. She went to a missionary agency and she learned how difficult and dangerous it actually was. People were being killed over in Asia uh, pretty regularly in uh, missionaries who were trying to do this. And so this was a pretty big call this girl was making. But she wanted to go knowing it was dangerous. She felt the call of God. Uh, but they said to her, there are two things. You have to get training. Number one, you have to go to Bible college. And then secondly, you have to get married. You can't go. They didn't send single American women into the missionary field in Asia in the 1930s alone. That just didn't happen in those days. Uh, and so that you had to get married uh, as well as go to Bible college. Uh, so she was, you know, she was, so uh, yeah, one night near the end of high school, she sat down and said, Lord, I take my hands off my life. I give you everything. I don't care about a comfortable life. I don't care about a safe life. I'm going to give you my whole life. Everybody else is getting ready for all sorts of other fun, but I'm going to go. I'm going to give myself to missionary service. I'm going to do all the training I need. There's only one thing I need from you, God. I just need a husband. So she went to Bible college she, uh, and studied at the end of the four years of Bible college. No husband. No boyfriend, no prospects. 
She went into another two years of graduate school. Uh, as the semesters went by, no husband, no boyfriend, no prospect. On the night before she was about to graduate, can we guess? No husband, no boyfriend, no prospect. And she said that night, the night before I was supposed to graduate, I sat in my dorm room, an angry young woman. She was pretty annoyed. God, how could you do this to me? I have nothing else I can do. I have nowhere else to go. I've put everything into this. I have no other prospects. I committed my whole life to you. I took my hands off my life. I gave my life to you. And I only asked of you one thing. And you didn't do it. How could you do this to me? She wrestled and she struggled. Has anyone been in that place before? God, how could you do this? Incredibly, that night, she suddenly realized something. She suddenly re- she realized she had been kidding herself the whole time. That she wasn't miserable because she had taken her hands off her life. She was miserable because she'd never done it. She realized she had developed an idea of a heroic life. The idea of a noble life. She said, if I could live that, then I would know I had value. I'd know I'm a person of worth if I got that. She was telling God, that's the life you have to give me. She was telling God, and here's how you have to get it for me. You need to give me a husband. You need to give me this because that's what you need to do for me. She was uh, giving God an ultimatum, and she realized she'd been in that place. She, She realized she'd never taken her hands off her life but was using God. She wasn't serving him, but rather telling him what he should do. And then she said, that night for the first time, I took my hands off my life, saying, God, you know where I should go. You know what I should do. You know best. And Dr. Gerstner, the the man preaching this, this story, closes that part of the sermon. He's preaching to a bunch of young people. And he says, if that girl who spent a third of her life being ready for missionary service, saying goodbye to everything, saying goodbye to fun, to safety, to comfort, to everything, and thought she had taken her hands off her life, and that night realized she had never done it, never taken her hands off her life, Dr. Gerson says to this crowd, do you think you have then? I doubt it. <laughs> oh, imagine that. <laughs> what, a, what a crazy call. Do we think that we have? And that's something that I was like, oh, wow. That hit me when I read it. Do I think I have in different areas of my life? That I, have I truly taken control off? Have I taken that off and allowed God to be God? See, because I believe to see renewal take place in and through us, we have to take control off our lives and let God be in control. Let God be the driver's seat of what we, He is doing in our lives. Actually, truly submit. To actually, truly God, go, God, is this something that I'm just making up or am I actually being led by you? And it looks like a, so many different things. That's why this is so confusing sometimes. This is why we can get stuck in, in doing years of Bible college and then actually realizing we weren't meant to go on the missionary field because uh, we feel like we're doing the right thing. But actually stopping, we need to continually stop and go, God, is this you? Am I being led by you or am I telling you what you should do? We don't want to tell God how to God. 
Have you ever had parent, uh, as a parent, have you had kids try to tell you how to parent? I'm sure it's not a nice, nice thing. You're just like, come on, buddy. You don't really know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> but we do that with God all the time, don't we? We tell God how he should God, how, what he should be doing. You should be fixing this. You're God, right? You should be doing better. But in fact, he's called us. He's actually called us. He's, he wants to make a difference in us. And so this needs to be a daily sacrifice, a daily living sacrifice that we continue to come back, that we need to find our place daily in, a, in, in his word. We need to find our place daily figuring out what it means to pray and actually talk to God. We need to daily find it what it means to actually be led by His Spirit, to be changed by His Spirit. This is things that we need to trigger in our lives every single day. It doesn't need to look like an hour prayer meeting where you're just rah. It just needs to look like little moments, little moments in your every day that you can go to God through a word, through a prayer, through a moment where you actually go, God, do I need to do something right now? You know, that person who just lashed out at me, I could lash back out at them, but God, I know you want me to actually go, just turn the other cheek and go another way. These little moments that God wants to change us and transform us to actually be a living sacrifice and take our hands off control to see renewal take place in us and in this world. So firstly, yeah, we need to see personally that we take our hands off control and see renewal come into our lives. But secondly, then we're called to rewrite the narrative. We're called to rewrite the narrative. And this phrase has been so exciting for me as I, kind of, I heard someone preach it a couple of months ago, and it's just stuck in with me, this rewrite the narrative, that there are so many narratives that our world is telling us that we should live. And this, this one that I talked about earlier, this individualistic, Uber Eats kind of, I want everything delivered to me in my way kind of culture is a narrative that our culture is trying to tell us. But we're called by the gospel to rewrite this narrative. The gospel calls us to actually transform that and renew that into a way that God is glorified of, that people can actually experience real life, not kind of fake life that they think they're experiencing, but real life that is offered through the gospel. There are so many narratives that he calls us to change. And even in the scripture in Romans, uh, it goes on to talk, it, it talks about how we, not, we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought and that we should be one body with many members that we should be working together. And this is picturing the church, that as together as the church, we're called to be unified in our diversity, that we're called to be unified, though we have different uh, opinions and thoughts that we're called to be unified together in our diversity uh, and that when we disagree with each other that we choose to unify that when we don't see eye to eye that we choose to forgive and love despite that that in our way of doing church that we continue to band together and to to come together to see his kingdom come because the church is his vehicle to see life come where and we are his church the body is us individuals we are called to bring life renewal and when we are disjointed at each other that's not a pretty picture of what god wants to use to see his kingdom come to see renewal take place and so we're called to unify in our diversity there are so many different narratives that our world is telling us that we should live, that I believe we are called to renew in the gospel. I see, Jesus brought the upside-down kingdom. 
one that didn't make sense in his day and age and still definitely does not make sense in our day and age. A kingdom, a, a, a culture that says to love your enemies, to turn the other cheek and to act in love. That we're called to bring this gospel, the good news of Jesus, and to renew the people, to renew this world around us, to see transformation happen. And uh, uh, I've got a Christian friend who is, is a really close friend of me, and an example of this taking place is uh, he's in the process of uh, making his company public, and he's gonna, he's, yeah, got a pretty sizable big company that is uh, doing really well. And so in this process, he's working with accountants and lawyers and all the people that you need to. Uh, and uh, throughout this process, he's continually come back to a place of, you know, I, I want to give more money to my partners and to my employees. I want to actually help them and, and uh, honour them for what they've done so far to up to this point. And I want to actually give them more out of what I would get in uh in this whole process and so these accountants and lawyers are like you know you know you don't have to do that right you know like you could actually get a whole lot more money if you didn't do these other things that you could actually get a whole lot more in this process if you just did these things and that's normal that's just that's just what happens and these accountants and lawyers are just gobsmacked at this guy that uh, who would actually give some money so that he could bless his partners and the and the people involved he who would actually yeah that he would actually do that and they've never seen someone do this kind of thing and this is what it means to actually rewrite the narrative to actually change people's minds and see that wow there's actually an alternate alternative that that we don't have to be greedy we can actually give some money i'm sure it just means you're not going to get a little bit as much but we actually could change the narrative in this sphere and so what I believe is that through all of our workplaces, through our families, through our schools, through whatever you're involved in, I believe there are narratives that we are called to change, that we can go in and actually make a difference to say, no, no, that's not, that's not how we should do things. There is an alternate way that we can do things, whether it would be uh, the language that is used, that we can be an alternate way of doing things and not actually use that language, whether... Uh, it's how certain people are treated. There are so many different ways, and I'm sure even something in your mind is coming to head that, that really annoying thing that you just find annoying about your workplace. Uh, I find so many things about annoying about my workplace. <laughs> oh, no, just jokes. I work at church. Yeah, and nah. <laughs> the annoying alarms that keep going off. <laughs> yeah, no. <nah>. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm joking. If I spray, oh, <laughs> who knows what's happening? Smoke is just going everywhere. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there are things that annoy you about your workplace that you know could be a, you could be the difference, and that God calls us to actually rewrite that, to change that, to bring the gospel of change and transformation. It doesn't mean that we need to be these annoying goody two shoe Christianese kind of people. Excuse me, but you shouldn't do that. We're not called to be those kind of people. We're called to be the people who, who show, the, show the alternate way in how we live and actually show the alternate way in, in exemplifying an, another way because we have the gospel that has changed us because we've been transformed and renewed by who Jesus is. And so I believe that through these things, that firstly, that we, we first take control of our own lives 
that we continue to be a living sacrifice, see renewal take place in our world, and that, that we are, as we're transformed by God, he, he shows us a picture of what it means to rewrite the narrative in our world and to see transformation and renewal in the world around us. And I, I truly believe that, that this can make a difference in people's lives. I truly believe that we're called to advance and see the gospel come into our communities, not just here, not just in this place, but to actually reach out into the homes and communities and workplaces that we're a part of, that we can be that difference. And so uh, we're, we're going to actually come to a time of communion. If the ushers want to come now, that'd be great. Uh, and we're going to actually contemplate what these things mean to us. These two things, that whether we're taking control of our lives or whether we need to rewrite the narrative in our world. That these two things, that we're actually going to come to this time in communion and actually these symbols is, is the most amazing things. The symbols of Jesus' blood and his body that he shed for us. The ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. The ultimate sacrifice who gave his all. He laid his life down so that we may know life. And the reason that we actually can be a living sacrifice is because of what we have here. The reason we can actually come to him every hour and every day is because of what we have here. Because of these emblems that represent his sacrifice, we are able to actually be transformed, be renewed, take off control, and actually see a narrative that is rewritten in this world. These emblems have changed everything for us, made it possible. And so we're, we're just going to take some, this moment right here, contemplating these thoughts, contemplating how we can take control of our lives, whether it's a certain area that you just can feel, I need to take control of that. And then also this this part about how we can rewrite the narrative in our world. We're just going to take this moment in, in view of Jesus' sacrifice and actually let God speak to us. Let God reveal things to us. That yes, these words could have done something, but just let, let's open our hearts up. Let's open our minds up and go, just God, speak to me. What are you wanting to do in me? Your sacrifice gave everything for me. And so, Lord, help me, guide me. So just take this moment, holding your emblems. What is it for you? Thank you, Jesus. Speak to us, O Lord. Speak to us, O God. Where are you leading us? Where are you transforming us? We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Right here in our hands, these emblems representing what Jesus has done for us. They're an invitation to say, hey, I've given my life to all. No matter what your background, 
no matter what has happened in your life. I've given my life to you all. This is my body, my blood that has been broken and shed for you. Whether this is your first time in church, whether this is your hundredth time in church, this sacrifice is for us all. So that we may know love and life. That we can see renewal take place in us personally and in this world. And so Jesus, right now, we say thank you. We say thank you for your body that was broken for us. We say thank you for your blood that was shed. And Jesus, we let these emblems be a reminder to us today of your sacrifice, of what you've given for us, the love that you have for us. So right now, why don't you just eat and drink with thankfulness in your hearts of his goodness and grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.